Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. I'm David Rothkopf, and I am here in our third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK studios with... Ed Luce of the Financial Times, Susan Hennessy of the Lawfare blog, Brookings, CNN, just almost everything in the Washington. World. The world. That's what the deep state is like. The, that's that's right. Ubiquitous the tentacles. everywhere. You know, one minute they're like a lawyer at the NSA, and the next minute so they know. control everything. Um, and Rosa Brooks. Who is I also, control very little. <laughs> she, she can barely less control and less herself. By the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, who is the associate dean of the Georgetown Law School, among many, many other things. Uh, and once again, here we are in Washington discussing the very, very slow downfall of Donald Trump. Uh, at least it seems slow. It's actually happening I rather rapidly. I think that's rapidly. right. If this was a movie, it would be going a lot faster. I mean, this is really bad reality TV because I don't think events are moving as quickly as they ought to. I mean, we are two days away from the one-year anniversary of Trump being oh. elected. And so if you think about, like, this year has both gone on forever and also you can't believe it's only been <laughs> one started. year. It, like, <laughs> occupies that sort of twilight space. Of- yeah, it's true. Although I like Rosa's idea because I think if this were a 1940s movie, there would be pages coming off the calendar and then right. he would be led away in handcuffs. Can't we you know just do I mean? that? Can't, Can't we? we just flip through the calendar like that? That would that would make my life so much happier. I would settle for just being like cryogenically frozen for the next, next three, three years. <laughs> just like yeah. wake me up when this is done. Yeah. yeah Fine. Well, how close are we to that? You guys at Lawfare took a look at Mueller's actions last week, which included the um, indictments of Manafort and Gates and the Papadopoulos plea deal. And even since then, we've had NBC reporting that uh, Mueller now has enough evidence to go after Flynn and his son. And if one of these people ends up in jail, by the way, God let it be Flynn's son. Who should That's be in right. jail for being an annoying asshole? Drew we should Junior just vote is. on it. Yeah, Junior we should admit our decision. Vote him off the island. Yeah. Vote him off the island. Did but, you know yeah. that? Can I just mention one important junior qualification for going to prison, which has I think gotten too little coverage? Junior he has Flynn, an, that is. Junior Flynn. He has an associate degree in golf course management. Uh, Did you know that that was that a thing? That should be the rest of his natural life. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's I mean, done it for me. Yeah, you can see him driving around in one of those little like carts that have a cage around it and a driving range <laughs> where the golf balls are hitting the cart. Um, yeah, no, I, that's a that's a fate. But I, I mean, ironically, he doesn't even seem equipped to manage a golf, a golf course. course. Well, he's I know. barely equipped to manage a Twitter account. 
I mean, you know, he makes, you know, Trump look like Shakespeare in terms of, you know, his mastery of the English language and the substance. But in any event, we've had all that and now we've had the Wilbur Ross thing. So are we much closer, a little bit closer? What's what's the take? So I don't – so there are some things that are sort of happening that are not surprising, I guess, in sort of in, – in that they're occurring, but like the substance is still pretty shocking. And then we have sort of new things happening. Um, so one, Manafort getting indicted, that's something people have expected to have happened for a long time. Um, it's still just a stunning indictment in terms of like the sheer scope of criminality, $75 million, $18 million that he laundered himself personally, including one million dollars in rugs. I think somebody on like in with Slate or BuzzFeed went to an antique rug store in Alexandria to ask like how many rugs would you need to buy to come I up. I felt sort of sorry million? for him. I was going to say, you know, they sell rugs at Target and they're a lot <laughs> right? cheaper. Like a you nice know, Rose little is, Rose is his neighbor in Alexandria. I am so. right. Excellent. No, and 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 our rugs, uh, our rugs really. I could teach him a thing or two about mm-hmm. rug shopping. Excellent. Yeah, so I mean, even sort of like the the one, the revelation sort of on paper that the president of the United States campaign chairman was an unregistered foreign agent for a puppet government of Vladimir Putin while he was managing the presidential campaign. Well, yeah, Susan, but tell me something important. That, this is like everybody's yeah. shrugging. <laughs> like, OK, no, no, we knew that part. Let's find like the but, real but bombshells here. But isn't it kind of here. interesting also that his deputy, Gates – the man nobody knew about, was actually actively involved with Trump and supporting Trump well into Trump being president. Right. And I think this is where they're going to start running into trouble as they get closer and closer to the inner circle, especially as they get closer and closer to people like Jared Kushner. You know, Trump's sort of strategy thus far has been like, you know, Paul Manafort never met him. Steve Bannon, that name sounds kind of familiar. Low-level volunteer on the campaign. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> At some point, though, he's going to sort of run out of road on that. And we are like moving into the inner circle. So even just on sort of the Manafort indictments, which are not unexpected, I would say at this point, Flynn indictments, either Flynn Sr. or Flynn Sr. and Flynn Jr., also not unexpected, although of an unknown time period. It's still sort of stunning, like, to see it all laid out in print, to see how developed Mueller's case is against them. And also that he's taking a pretty aggressive approach. And the question is going to be, do they cooperate in response? Then, like, out of a left field, Mueller, who's been sitting there, like, biding his time all these months with this Papadopoulos indictment, which is shocking for other reasons. One, we're clearly not sort of in that you know, core campaign staff. I think this is somebody who is sort of actually genuinely a satellite figure, but directly on the the issue of Russian collusion. Let's talk about this. I haven't seen – I mean he does not – I mean he has the complexion of a 13-year-old. I I don't think he's much older than 13. No, that's true. He's 29 years old. But that's, by the way, Which, <laughs> Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who is running Saudi Arabia. Well, and it was so time. interesting to see so many uh, in the Trump camp defending him on the grounds that, you know, he's only 29. And what do you expect? Whereas, of course, if, needless to say, as many others pointed out, we don't, we don't tend to say that about, you know, African-Americans accused of street crime. He was only 29. How was he a supposed to develop a moral compass? When Joan of Arc you was know? 29, she'd been dead for 10 years. Exactly. People that's the yeah. yeah. And deservedly so, <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. That was a joke. <laughs> the United Kingdom. By the way, did you notice that the State Department this week, in referring to a Tillerson trip, referred to the United Kingdom as England? 
<laughs> which produced huge outrage among your colleagues at the Financial Times. As it should. But people from Oxford, London were equally appalled by it. <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing. The, the question I have about the um, Mueller investigation, it's mostly questions. I don't, I don't have insights. Is so glad you're here to join us. Is when is when <laughs> not 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 on not on where it's going to go next. I can um, do a little bit of quarterbacking, but um, the uh, clinching collusion evidence that would persuade the Republican Party on Capitol Hill to begin impeachment proceedings would presumably have to be a really really high bar given the politics. Okay, this is good. Right. Let us turn for a moment to our two lawyers. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll turn first to Susan because Rosa has already said she just wants to chime in and say, I agree. Yes. But, yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with Susan. Our listeners don't know that, but I've, I've decided I'm, I'm the Greek chorus for this episode. OK, but let's let's you, you've been following the Mueller case. You can sort of see where some things are going. He's going to squeeze Flynn. Flynn's going to give in or he's not going to give in. He's going to follow that up with you know, Roger Stone or some dupe who did something with Guccifer. And then he's going to go after Kushner and, you know, Ivanka or something. You know, he's going to sort of close in on the guy. What's the case he's making? Like, what what, what, what do you think is the case, he, the big case he's making? Not just, you know, Manafort, he's a mobster, but like, what's the big case? Yeah, so I don't. This is where I. It's really hard to speculate on Mueller's thinking. I have my sort of private theory of the case, which is that it's not. Um, what we're seeing is not a like massive conspiracy on the part of the Trump campaign. The conspiracy exists, but it exists on the part of the Russians. And what they're doing is, as part of their sort of conspiracy or active measures campaign, they're reaching out in all kinds of different places. And actually, what unites the the Trump campaign is not some sort of actual common plan. It's like a common lack of patriotism or morality or good judgment, right? There is something that sort this of unites these people. This is the Confederacy of Dunces, people. right? Yeah. They're, right? They're, they're all dupes right. and they're all being used. And they're all Trump. kind of like aiming in the same direction. They share a similar goal. And so you see these different stories popping up like this Peter Smith who tried to reportedly obtain these emails. Maybe he was working with Mike Flynn. Uh, you know, this is Papa Peter Smith Davos. is the guy who's joined the ranks of other Russian – characters in these things and is no longer with us? He is no longer with us, although not under um, suspicious circumstances, according to the Chicago Police Department. Um, uh, right. So this is a story. Well, from they a said few... that Russian dude who died in the DuPont Circle Hotel. <laughs> David, he beat himself to death. Beat himself to death. <laughs> <laughs> that was the police department's conclusion. Smith, Smith was like 85, right? Uh, so I, he was, I think he was in his 70s or 80s, but he was facing a terminal illness diagnosis. Okay. And mm -hmm. there was evidence of suicide that was, you know, um, substantiated, I guess. Um, but sort of the activity he described was sort of trying to go after, uh, you know, this Hillary Clinton's emails. Weirdly, they all seem to be obsessed with sort of this a set of emails that we actually don't even know whether or not they exist or not. So it's the 33,000 emails that Hillary Clinton had kept on her private server and then purged uh, from her time while she was Secretary of State. Now, the FBI has said that they don't think that that server was ever breached, but Comey sort of said, like, well, there's no real way of knowing, or we wouldn't know had it been breached. And somehow all of these different sort of actors in Trump world get it in their heads that these these emails exist somewhere. Maybe they're sort of just in the in the black market. Maybe the Russians have them and they're all sort of scurrying about trying to get them. So 
I think whenever you look at it from that direction, instead of instead of thinking like, oh, you know, you're going to find evidence of this coordinated conspiracy between, you know, Kushner and Flynn and Manafort, I, I don't know that you're going to come up with that kind of evidence. Um, that said, there are any number of crimes these individuals might have taken sort of along the path. The easiest one that's going to be for Mueller to prove is 1001, which is lying to federal prosecutors or lying to members, uh, lying to congressional investigators. That's really what trips they, up Papadopoulos. They all seem to do it. Sessions does it. Really? Kushner does it. They're just not you know, worried whatever. about it. But so that 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 clears legal bars for you know indicting and and, and going further. But that that does that clear any political bar um, in, in terms of Trump Trump losing such support amongst the base that his party turns on him? Well, I think if you I think if those kinds of charges lead to cooperation among people who can describe the intentions and thinking of the campaign in a way that one Trump cannot disavow. And I don't think it has to go to sort of Trump himself. I, I think sort of Ivanka Kushner, the group of people he's not willing to fire, that that's probably su- uh, sufficient. But at the end of the day, I mean, look, the political calculation of impeachment really is every member of Congress, every Republican member of Congress looking around and saying, is my own personal seat in jeopardy? And is control of Congress in jeopardy? And if those two conditions or either of those conditions aren't met, they aren't going to do anything. And so it's sort of – it's not that it's unlinked. It's, it's a chain. It's that the sort of – the indictments and the nature of those indictments have to create the political conditions in which people really are genuinely outraged and don't want their member of Congress who's continuing uh, you know, to support or provide cover for Donald Trump to be in office. Right? It has to sort of start to corrupt all of them. OK. What does that look like? No, I, I think it could happen. Uh, you know, I don't think we're there yet, right? We're still at the point where it is just barely possible if you're a part of the the dwindling, already shrinking Trump base to say, oh, well, you know, so there are always a few bad apples in any basket and so on. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, the a lot of people in his base voted for him out of the wholly misguided conviction that he was going to take on the swamp uh, and stand up for the, you know, the the lost American little guy. And I do think that as more and more members of of his inner circle and closer and closer to his inner inner circle are are revealed for what they have always been, which is basically corrupt thugs who are in it for themselves and no one else. That 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 is taking a toll and will take a toll. You know, so I could see a kind of tipping point where where it becomes just harder and harder for anyone who is not completely nuts and who is who has seen any news ever in the last year to to feel good about him. So I could um, I I still think unfortunately I don't think it is likely before 2010. I still think the most likely scenario is that Trump serves out his first term and then something new happens. But but I don't think it's entirely impossible that we could get a kind of cascade effect with more and more. Even if – and I agree with Susan. I think it's very, very unlikely that Mueller ever uncovers some smoking gun, you know, which is sort of – Donald Trump sends an email from Donald to Jared and Ivanka and Mike Flynn saying, 
you know, let's collude with the Russians. So, you know, I think that's not going to happen. I think very, very unlikely that they're either going to find well, anything so or even— they're so stupid we cannot You never out. know. You never but know. He doesn't need any email, does but, he? I mean, it wouldn't be but, email. So, so but, I, I don't think we're going to get yeah. that. I think it is going to be this kind of lower level of criminality, which just kind of is all over the place. So that's to me—I mean, just from a, a brand America point of view— the sort of Goodfellas, uh, Sopranos quality to the Manafort indictment, and the you know if you go back, you know Trump's Trump disavowing really knowing Manafort. Uh, from what I know, he's a good man, um, and uh, you know he joined us briefly on the campaign, etc. He met him in 1979. They were introduced by Roy Cohn, you know the mobster's lawyer, um, and. Um, you know, once you start delving into the sort of thickness of ties between people who were, in some cases, actually in the mob, um, Gotti, um, Salerno, these people who were doing Trump's buildings for him. Uh, well, you don't. SNA do, concrete. By the way, you don't get to do what he did in Atlantic City without dealing with the mob, the Philadelphia mob. It's just you don't. Right. I mean, it's this kind of stuff that um, I think is it's very damaging from a different level. And, and it, you know, Mueller has got a bottomless pit there of material. I mean, and then we, we haven't talked about the Kushner family. We, uh, he can go on. So, but if he gets, this is a question for, for, for either Susan or Rosa, but, or David, sorry. If, if he gets... Um, <laughs> as the I mean, non, probably as, not you, David. Yeah, as, as, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> all, all but don't feel bad. Um, it is... If if he gets more, a crime, more that British Trump... anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only explanation. We withdraw that remark, <laughs> sir. Um, if he uncovers criminal activity by Trump in terms of money laundering, Russian, um, you know, Ru- Russian crooks money into Florida apartments or whatever it might be, he's he's immune as president, isn't he? From 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 a from crimes committed before he became president? No. no. So there's an open legal question about whether or not you can indict a sitting president. Okay. But that is at best an open legal question. Yeah, no, so there are people. Like, I mean, Lawrence Tribe, for example, and other people <laughs> seem to suggest you can. Right. And and all of the, um, you know, stalwart Republicans who went after Bill Clinton also insisted right. that you could. And <laughs> they the were time. successful. But that was on... so completely different, Susan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they actually paved the way for that a That was somebody lot whose name began stuff. with C. Um, so I think we already see the battle line starting to be drawn because you see Trump lawyers beginning to challenge the scope of Mueller's investigation, right? They're trying to to start saying, well, no, 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 you're, you know, the Rosenstein order gives you authority to look into this, but not this. They're trying to sort of cabin, uh, cabin that out. I mean, sort of in response to, to some of the points Rosa was making, you know, you don't see any Democrats coming forward and really making the case of like criminal or not, these are bad people, right? And so whenever you have Don Jr. being approached or Manafort or Papadopoulos or these people being approached, look, Al Gore got right. like a videotape, some some debate prep materials from W. Bush in an anonymous package in the mail and picked up the phone and called the FBI because in elections, when you're given stuff that you think is stolen – that's just like the baseline right thing to do. And these people that are approached with, you know, maybe damaging part, information, part maybe of that, criminal information. I mean, I you know, it pains me to say it. But part of that is that the Democratic Party does have its own forms of similar types of corruption. <laughs> not, not, 
not I do not think that the level of sheer criminality that Trump has brought to the White House uh, is rife in the Democratic Party. I don't. I think the Democratic Party is a lot a lot cleaner than that when it comes to actual overt breaking of criminal law. But but I I think that the you know the whole Hillary missing emails which she decided to de- delete and the whole you know the and and all the stuff that's come out in Donna Brazile's new memoir. Um, Part of the reason the Democrats are reluctant to grab onto this is I think that they're rightly concerned that the practices of their own party don't stand up to a lot of scrutiny, okay, which is a let's, shame. Let's let's be clear here. There is absolutely no comparison. No, I agree. I agree. These 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 allegations against Hillary Clinton, who by the way is a woman who has spent the past twenty five years being investigated by everybody who could possibly investigate, which her. you would actually think would have made her a little more careful on the email front, but well, no, uh, okay, <laughs> never mind. But, fine, but let's let's be clear. Nobody, including the Federal Bureau of Investigation, ever found anything wrong there. So, but, that, but that's not what I'm saying. But that's not what I'm saying. I, I do. I, I do think that some I, some of the some of what I think is standing in the way is a little bit of anxiety about throwing stones. Well, I have a slightly different point of view, which I will now share with you, despite Ed's um, dis hostile, hostile, casual British, casual British, anti-Semitism, which some people call breathing. Anyway, um, let me let me let me say that. In my view, Trump will not make it through and I don't think that he will be impeached. I do think at the end of the day he will resign and I think the reason he will resign is that this is going to start getting so close to home and I don't mean just in one way. I mean in many ways. I think Jared Kushner is in big trouble. I think that Ivanka is not going to like that. I think Ivanka may be in big trouble. Um, I think that you know Trump's lawyer, who is like spectacular, and some of his lawyers are spectacularly bad, who say things like, <laughs> "Well, don't you dare go look at his real estate deals." You know, and I'm sure Mueller's in there scratching his head, going, "Well, I guess we better not look at his real estate deals." Um, you know, but you know that th- 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 there are those kind of things. Meanwhile. You know, I mean, one of the things that I find a little bit strange in all of this is that there are people who don't think an obstruction case is like obvious. To me, the the obstruction case is obvious and multifaceted, and that you know, you know, obvious against Comey, obvious with regard to trying to intimidate judges, obviously with you know Preet Bharara, obviously with. Um, um, uh, uh, the you know his 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 public statements about all of this kind of thing, and I think that there will that's what we know, and what we don't know is the behind the scenes, and I think that there is a strong obstruction case, and I think that there is a certain point at which Donald Trump is going to have a very strong temptation to say, you know. Ivanka, you're pardoned. Jared, you're pardoned. Jeff Sessions, self, you're, you're pardoned. pardoned. Self, you're <laughs> pardoned. I'm out of. Jeff Sessions, Jeff, go after yourself. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> and, uh, Everyone you know, is pardoned except for you, Jeff. <laughs> I'm, I'm heading to Mar-a-Lago because, you know, I have better things whatever. to do. Than... And, you know, or an emoluments yeah. clause case gets close to him or, you know, the fact that yeah. you know, members of his club seem to be getting sweet deals or whatever. You know, I, to me, there's just it's, – it's, it's really just there are advancing armies coming from all sides. 
And there's a question about at what point this becomes too uncomfortable for Donald Trump, not for his base, because his base would vote for him. I, I if, think he if, thinks he's untouchable, though. So I, really I, have, do. I just have a different theory of how it plays out, which is that I do. I think that's completely right in terms of sort of the description of, of the psychology of what's happening right now. And if he had a graceful exit, he would take it. I think he's going to start campaigning unbelievably early, like, you know, <laughs> two and a half years out. I mean, he already is campaigning. Is campaigning. Really, campaigning. But like really in rallies. earnest, as soon as there is, you know, some notion of who might be the challenger here, he's going to go into campaign mode. And I think he loves that. And I think that energizes him and gives him something to focus on and a way to sort of deflect and because it's all about sort of the weird psychology of this one person, I think as soon as he makes it sort of over the finish line to that point when he can start just fundamentally neglecting the business of governing and get down to what he really likes, which is like crowds and baseball hats, that he's like – then then there is no graceful exit because like he's back in his sort of – in his medium and, and doing the thing that he really loves. He loves baseball hats. I mean he he's does. now with the Japanese prime minister. It's now become a foreign policy deliverable. To come up with your own baseball hat that you have with just this other guy and they sign them and it's fantastic. But, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think he also kind of thinks I'm being persecuted and when I go to my rallies, everybody loves me. And so I'll go out to the rallies and they will protect me against all of this. I think that's a, that's a possibility. It's just a question of – I mean, this guy has been dodging the law his entire life. And I just think he must have, you know, nightmares. See, I, I, I worry that he's taken the opposite lesson from it, though, David. I, I don't think his lesson is that he he sleeps uneasily because of it. I think what he his takeaway was, I'm untouchable. Uh, the little people can yip and yap and nip, but it, none of it will ever touch me. And uh, it's it's quite plausible to imagine the Dems retaking the House next year. And starting impeachment proceedings with no chance of going anywhere because there won't be a 67 dem majority in the Senate. Um, and the complexity and the legalese of the language quickly turning the public off and Trump beginning to get a Clinton-style sympathy um, wave of like, look, the swamp, the elites, once again, they're persecuting Well, you the know, guy. Clinton actually had a di – there was a difference. Right? I know. There was a right. huge I mean, difference. He actually some, did I mean, something as president. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm not saying he's perfect and, you know, I think – you know, I mean, I, there's a separate conversation for us to have about the number of United States presidents who have sexually harassed people well, and but gotten I, away with it. But. I do fear that that much as although I painted a picture a few minutes ago about you know what could peel away more of Trump's base, and I think that there are there are some more people who are peelable away from his base. I also think that there is this irreducible core of people who will support him no matter what. And some of them will support him because they're evil people themselves and some of them will support them because they are so far removed from any setting in which they would ever get any actual news that they have no idea and that nothing that changes – none of the things that we here uh, in the uh, Ministry of SNARK regard as media bombshells or legal bombshells will ever even reach them. Uh, you know, it's just know completely people, irrelevant. As I'm sure you do, Rosa, who are relatively well informed, who who have an equivalence between the Clinton Foundation mm -hmm. and what Trump's done and the Trump yeah, Organization. That's right. Um, right. Which is clearly – it's not a correct well, so, 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 but, but which, they're which, relatively which, tuned in non-evil people. Right. Well, well I have to say – That too. Yeah. I mean I've always been of the opinion that the Clinton Foundation was a problem. 
because I think there is an ethical problem. They might say we're helping to save the world, but everybody who was putting the money in was thinking they're buying a Clinton future, and you know I think that I think that was a problem. But let's let's set this aside a second. Let me just go around the table. Give me the table is square. First of all, the listeners they don't know don't that. Know that. Yeah. Okay, right, 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 right. Virtual okay. round, virtually table. round table, but. Uh, secondly, the expression is "let's go around the table." I mean, whoever heard <laughs> let's, "let's square the table"? Square. That's what we should say. Yeah, because we believe in accuracy here in the deep state. Yeah, whatever. So let's 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 look at it this way. What do you think among the things that are plausible, like that you know you think happened, could be the straw that breaks the camel's back, like? You know, I'll give you an example of one that I think happened, right? I think Roger Stone communicated with this guy, Guccifer, and when the uh, Entertainment Tonight tape broke, you know, the fact that the Entertainment Tonight tape broke and minutes later— Access Hollywood. Access to Hollywood, excuse me. I was just desperately trying not to call it the pussy tape. Um, <laughs> and I, dis I didn't succeed. Um, but in any no. event— um, But you came so close. came so close <laughs> to a so moment well. of decorum. But, but in any event, it's just a you know, weird coincidence, right? But my, my sense is there was collusion there. My sense is there were so many people— in this administration, in this campaign, Donald Trump, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Jared Kushner, George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, et cetera, et cetera, who were all looking for a chance to collude with the Russians, that that has happened. I also believe that, you know, Trump did obstruct. I believe, you know, there are a bunch of things that I think. So one, which of the things you think has actually happened do you, do you think could do him in? Like when would Ben Wittes have to w actually get a full-sized cannon for his, you know, baby cannon metaphor to be accurate? I don't know. <clears throat> there is sort of the question of like you could have full-scale collusion and still not meet the standards of sort of criminality. Um, so I, I don't know – what the scenario is in terms of like the Russia connection communication that gets a big, big fish indicted. I think it's more likely that the Mueller investigation uncovers substantial money laundering, right? These are, you know, we talked about, you know, that you know, Trump doesn't use an email and, you know, maybe there isn't a conspiracy. Financial crimes are complex to investigate, but there is always a paper trail. And that sort of follow the money feature of this stuff, it's not possible to do business abroad without leaving some evidence that maybe you violated the uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, right? These are really serious federal crimes lurking out there in the realm of big business money records. And so I think that if you're looking for what is the thing in terms of a criminal indictment or a criminal discovery that like really does start to shake the foundation here, it's something like that. It's it's a crime related to money that has uh, serious, you know, serious felony implications and also produces the kind of record 
that you just sort of can't wave your hands away and say, oh, fake news. Okay, so let me let me ask you a follow-up question before I turn to the other guys to answer their question. Over the weekend, we had the release of something called the Paradise Papers, which were 7 million pages of documents from a Bermuda law firm that specialized in helping clients hide their offshore money. And obviously, we're just skimming the surface, but one of the things that it turned out was that Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross um, had such a company that had as its, you know, uh, among its principal business um, counterparts, um, uh, the son-in-law of Putin, and uh, and two people who I believe were on the sanctions list. Uh, you know, in other words, was doing a bunch of business with a bunch of bad people. And on top of this, you know, he's the vice chairman of the Bank of Cyprus, where all this kind of stuff is going on. And whoops, he forgot to disclose this to Congress. He, he forgot to. In fact, he promised Congress a bunch of, you know, See, I divestiture. Just, I'm just, I wish I was convinced that this stuff would hurt them, but I'm not. I, I remember Trump's campaign line, which I believe that Trump in some sick little corner of his sick, twisted little mind believes, where he basically said, you know, it, 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 you, you got to know their tricks to beat them. You know, yes, I'm this kind of rich, sleazy guy. He didn't put it quite that way. But yes, I'm this rich, sleazy guy who knows every way to skirt the law and so on. And that's why you can count on me because I know how these people operate. I mean, I just think that there is there is so much – there's so much cynicism. There is so much – fake news, real and and allegations of fake news. I could imagine that even if we get we get indictments for those serious federal crimes, that either, you know, his supporters say, first, oh, that's just so complicated, doesn't make any sense to me. There were so many links in that money laundering chain that I don't know if anything really bad happened because it's too complicated. I don't understand it. So it's just some kind of nonsense they came up to try to drum him out of office. Or they say, well, yeah, how do you think he got so rich? He's our man. You know, he 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 skated around the edges of the system. Good for him. So I, I just I wor- I wish I believed that Americans would kind of go, oh, my God, that's but, shocking. But, but I'm not sure at, they will. Whenever the media actually can sort of get its act together on some sustained attention for even a short period of time, you do have cabinet level rec- uh, resignations and price is the good example of that. Right. So they're not immune yeah, and, from and let's any be, and let's be, and, and let's this is how I think it's going to happen, by the way. I think these things every month or two, somebody's going to go down, and I think at a certain point it reaches a critical mass. That, and and yeah. but just bear with me. Tom Price has gone down. Manafort's going to go down. Um, uh, Mike Flynn is going to go down. Mike Flynn has broken multiple laws and is going to go down. There is a certain Wilbur Ross. I don't think is going to survive this. I, you know, this is just my own personal view. I don't think he's going to survive this. There, there have been. It's just here's the mystery to me, right? Um, and and there's there's a there's a kind of national mystery, and then there's an electoral mystery, which is not actually all that mysterious. The national mystery is this: um, a year since Trump was elected, knowing everything that is already known, there are still somewhere, depending on the poll, between you know 35 and 40 percent of Americans who approve of the job he's doing. And you think, how is that possible? A year into this already with all the horrific scandals that have already emerged. And and I worry that we can get that number down to maybe 
28% or something, but it's not going to go any lower. Um, I, I also think there's also the electoral issue, which is a whole separate, which is not very mysterious, which is that even when you have a solid two-thirds or even three-quarters of the nation strongly disapproving of this guy and think he's awful, the combination of gerrymandering, uh, the, the campaign finance issues, et cetera, I think it is entirely possible that Democrats won't even retake the House. You know, it, it's not it, – we have – our democracy is so deeply broken that there is no guarantee whatsoever that even a very large majority of the country wanting this guy out translates into anything electorally speaking. OK. So you don't think there's a smoking gun. Is there something that uh, – or something that could tip the scales? Do you think there's something? I think there is but a different kind of thing. But, but my, my very sort of – simplistic reading of history you know nixon in a far less less polarized time was forced to divulge the oval office tapes which got him banged to rights there was no escaping that that was him on those tapes and that was him plotting and discussing criminal activity amongst all other kinds of horrific things that he said um and it was a much less partisan time and I cannot imagine anything in the collusion inquiry that would equate to those tapes that would be, oh, God, there's just no – that's it. Well, why are, we, right. why, why are we defining that, narrowly that collusion is the only issue that could No, it's not. It? And and I think Susan's point um, about money laundering is, is, is a very good one. And that, you know, A, because of the paper trail, B, because of what we know uh, um, about Trump's business past and what we can reasonably suspect about it. Um, I think that Trump is – a man of unforced errors. Comey's firing is a very good example. But, I mean, his presidency is littered with unforced errors. And I think that uh, he's going to fire Mueller at some point. And I think that's going, to be, that's going to be the big moment, the big test of the republic, is how does, how does the Congress, how does the Republican Congress respond to this? Does it rehire him as a congressional special counsel? Uh, it seems unlikely. But that's the kind of event that everybody will get in their gut of what's going on. That's the kind of event that could flip public opinion. I, I just don't see I just don't see an impeachment process resulting from a sort of bang to rights collusion case um, emerging in the next year or two. I might be wrong, but this seems to be a much more plausible and also much nearer term uh, scenario, the firing of Munda. Well, let's let's play this out and we've got just a couple of minutes left here. But Susan, given the pace, all of a sudden we we know something about Mueller, right? We we've, we've seen a couple indictments, we've seen a plea deal, we've now seen some kind of a leak from someplace about the Flynn thing. There is a pace, and we are beginning to see a pattern. What do you think are the next couple of moves we can expect? I think we can probably expect an indictment related to Michael Flynn sometime soon unless he is cooperating. Um, so I think that that's sort of – that's relatively soon on the horizon. Um, I think that there will be more big surprises, right? So we've now sort of seen what like seven of his 16 lawyers are up to. Mueller has assembled probably one of the best prosecutorial legal teams like in modern American history. I mean, people who are... It's 1927 Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people who left, of, you know, yeah. huge no, equity partnership stakes. I mean, you know, who, who left big, and big jobs making really, really a good at lot sniffing of money. Out money trails. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly, and have mm -hmm. just sort of these storied careers and they've all come together to form this sort of 
bizarre, low-key dream team, and we are only seeing what, like, a few of those guys are up to. And whatever the rest of them are off and running on, like, we haven't even seen hints of that yet. I think one thing that the Papadopoulos uh, plea really shows, and remember, they kept that secret since July. It's not just that Mueller is, you know, sort of really a leak-free shop, but that, like, he doesn't care what narrative is emerging. He doesn't care if the press is getting it right or getting it wrong. They're not going to engage with this at all. They're just going to keep doing their work and sort of drop the bombshells at the period of time when it makes strategic sense for them. And so I think that that means that we are going to see really, really big surprises because whatever our sense from sort of the public chatter about what might be going on, I think it's a far more sophisticated and developed investigation than any of us understand from the outside. Okay. One last question before we finish up here. But again, for you or or for Rosa, one of the things that's gotten lost in the sauce, and I'm a big believer in the fog of Trump, you know, this is a big problem. There's so many things going on that we just don't, you know, focus on all of them. And some of them are really significant. But we have Trump interviewing potential candidates for U.S. attorney in, in, the, in, in New York City or in the you know, southern second, whatever it is, the Southern District State of New York, whatever it is. This seems like outrageously inappropriate. And I just was wondering what you're So, was. look, it is outrageously inappropriate. Um, it's like the violation of really, really fundamental norms. And, and it's a really big deal that he's only doing it for U.S. attorneys in SDNY, EDVA, uh, EDNY, sort of the, the jurisdictions in which the Trump organization <laughs> is most owns likely to be in assets, legal jeopardy. right, these kinds of things. Yeah. Right. Look, there's only yeah. one mechanism that we have to hold him accountable for these kinds of things. And that's for the Senate Judiciary Committee to say, we will not consider the nomination of individuals for U.S. attorneys' uh, offices who the president has personally met with. And just make that if, if Congress cares about preserving these norms, they have to exercise their own constitutional authority to do so. And that, like, there's a clear solution here. You just say, look, it's nothing personal. It's not about the nominees. You violated this once. We made a big deal. This was related to the U.S. attorney in D.C. We sort of we tried to remedy that through her testimony. She reassured us that she hadn't been asked for uh, for loyalty. We confirmed her anyway. You've done it again. You've done it again twice. The only line we can draw at this point is we won't even consider your nominees if you do it again. If Congress isn't willing to do that, if the Senate Judiciary Committee isn't willing to do that, then the norm is gone. And, and it's probably gone forever. And there's just nothing any of us can do about it. Rosa? The norm is gone and it's probably gone forever. Well, once again, Rosa Brooks reclaiming the tiara of optimism um, that the United States judiciary system is screwed up. And, you know, this ties in with a theory that I, you know, as I think is more than just a theory. While the Democratic Party has been focused on personalities and on policies, the Republican Party has rewired democracy in America. They have through gerrymandering. Uh, they have through campaign finance reforms and Citizens United and cases like that. They have through changing the rules in the Senate. Uh, they have through redoing the judiciary. They are now two state houses away from being able to amend the Constitution of the United States. And when these norms change, as they have in all of those cases, it's very hard to go backwards. And we are very, very, very precariously close to a moment where if you have altered the judiciary in this way, then you have undermined separation of powers in a fundamental way. 
And if you have altered state houses and if you've altered the way the Senate works and if you've altered the way the Electoral College works and so forth, you can have a minority, 33 percent of the Americans, dictating outcomes for the majority and you can have a president behaving with impunity um, in violating the law, agglomerating power onto himself, enriching himself, having those around And that at the end of the day is the ultimate Putin victory, right? It's not getting the U.S. to support any particular policy. It's turning the U.S. It's it's being a, a small but happy part of the U.S. turning itself into a replica of Russian oligarchy. And that is the subject we're going to start our next podcast with. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Ed. Everybody, come back and join us again uh, for the next podcast in just a couple of days. Uh, We'll see you soon. Bring your friends. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.